0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Ellen.
1: And my name is Anna. And in today's episode, we're discussing Book 3, Chapter 2, The Writers of Rohan, discussing resources in community. So, Ellen, as I was thinking about this episode, I have to ask, is there something, a resource, a tool you use that you couldn't live without or that you're constantly telling other people they need?
0: Ooh, I was gifted a Theragun for Christmas, and everybody knows it. (laughs) Is that a resource? Mm, Possibly. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. I have been kind of annoying about like, oh, man, like those stairs really, really got me. (laughs) Gonna have to there again this when I get back home. It was like one flight. Right. I'm also really annoying about my Kula cloth. Your Kula cloth? Yes. For those of you who sit when you pee and spend time outdoors, a Kula cloth is a technical pee cloth that is antimicrobial. And it clips to the outside of your backpack. There's like a little reflective bit on it. That's so you can find it at night with your headlamp. And it's so cool. (laughs) It comes in fun patterns. Well, I really wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Those are my two shout outs. This podcast is brought to you by Theragun and Kula Cloth. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, there you have it. What about you? What, what tools are you utilizing? Well, I will say
1: that perhaps one of our most utilized gifts, and definitely a tool as well, mm-hmm. is a really lovely and well-balanced knife hmm. that we use for cooking, chopping, mincing, like all of that stuff. And this is truly the greatest knife I've ever handled. It's really easy to use um, and it has absolutely elevated my cooking game because I feel more confident with it. So as friends we know get married or as people are thinking about like what's a good gift I am very very vocal that like a good sharp knife if you do any amount of cooking at all and potentially a knife sharpener is the way to go.
0: I feel like our two tools here would have served us really well on this cross-country marathon, ultra-marathon that our our team ran on in this chapter. Absolutely. Yeah, they could have used a cool cloth and a knife. You know, those are very practical outdoor survival gifts.
1: Right. And I'm sure after they find some time to rest, a Theragun mm-hmm. wouldn't be refused, yes. I'm sure. <laughs> Poor little Gimli.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. He's probably got really tight calves after all of this endurance running he's done. Bless him.
1: I think about this more often than probably a normal person should. But like the weight, even even with Mithril. So if Mm -hmm. you're running, right, that's already kind of an an intense strain on your body. Right. Like, I don't know about elves and dwarves. Um, or sort of this elite level of men. Um, but certainly for an Ana, running puts a lot of strain on your body. And then to imagine, like, all of this stuff, like, heavy clothing and swords and hilts and um, any kind of chain mail or helmet. Like, running with that on is such an intense and really mm-hmm. kind of an out-of-body experience I would have to imagine for these folks who are like yeah I do this occasionally or I don't do this at all and now I'm like in four days trekking across mm-hmm. a whole country like that just has to be quite the workout
0: yeah it reminds me of those people that I see in the park who wear weighted vests or like weighted backpacks while they run mm-hmm. and I'm like yeah I guess like that makes you stronger but at what cost <laughs> At what cost? Yes.
1: (laughs) Okay, great. Well, Ellen, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your story today, um, Resources in Community?
0: Happy to do so. I feel like we're going to transition really nicely into the story based on our discussion, because my story today is about running. So I am a recreational runner. Um, I started about five or six years ago, first you know, just sort of jogging around the neighborhood. And then I signed up for a 5K. It was called the Go Nuts for Donuts 5K. And you got a donut at the end. Great fun. And then I was like, ready for a 10K, signed up for that. And as I started running these longer distances, I thought it would be fun to run a half marathon. But I really, I had no idea where to start with any of the training for this distance and as i was looking online for information i saw that the organization that was hosting the race that i had signed up for the new york road runners had a number of upcoming free information sessions about training that that i could just go to so i signed up for one about how to fuel for your longer runs which i was fascinated by because i love eating and i had no idea that I needed to be doing anything different for these longer distances. So I went to the class and it was a really it was a really nice setup. Uh, um, they have a run center here in the city. There was a delicious spread of food. This was pre-pandemic, so that buffet was wide open. And then you would you sat down in an audience, probably about, I don't know, maybe 40 people there. And there was a panel of running coaches and a nutritionist, and they talked through different information that you should know about running longer distances, what you need to eat before a run, what's good for post-run refueling your body. And I learned that you need to intake calories while you're running at about, after about 75 minutes of exercise, which I just had no idea about. But I loved because it meant that I could eat jelly beans as I do my longer runs. And they're like, yep, that's a great plan because they're light and easy to carry and quick energy. And so I learned all of this important information and successfully ran my first half marathon. And so I felt like my, this story today was doubly relevant because it's about learning resource management, like how to manage resource intake in your own body from a free community resource and in using those two uses of the word resource i saw a lot of reflection of that in the chapter they were refueling with their lembus bread throughout their endurance run and then also used the resource of their pooled knowledge which we saw frequently throughout the chapter and their decision making on what to do next when do we rest where do we keep going etc
1: that's really interesting What was the learning curve for that resource management or for finding those really effective resources for you in prepping for your races?
0: Well, luckily, I don't have a particularly sensitive stomach when it comes to high levels of sugar. I have a huge sweet tooth and I eat Mm -hmm. a ton of sugar. And a lot of the, it's true. And a lot of the like running fuel stuff that you get is mostly sugar and carbs because you need something really light and quick that your body can digest as you're moving for that burst of energy. Mm-hmm. So I like basically bought what they had there and I've never had any, any issues with that. I know a lot of runners like get, have gastrointestinal issues from eating while running and mm-hmm. all of like the sugar in those gels and all my years of downing ice cream after every dinner, I think, really uh, played to my favor there.
1: Yeah, I'm flashing on that time we were in Toronto, and we desperately needed to find <laughs> you sugar after we had had dinner, and so we were, like, wandering about the streets and ultimately ended up having, um, ugh, what are those, like, rolled cones? Nutella crepe. Yes. A Nutella crepe that was, like, <laughs> basically in a cone, and you were so content, and I had, like, not properly assessed your sugar needs, yes. and was absolutely mystified by this, like, inner compulsion yep. to get sugar into your body.
0: <laughs> I know. It's horrible. My dentist will be appalled if they listen to this. They probably don't. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's true, that did happen. So these little, like, stroop waffles, they go down easy before a race. <laughs> so we've discussed resources and properly resourcing, and we've hinted at the feats of endurance that our characters have had to go through this chapter. Would you like to run us through some of the main events? I
1: would love to. There were a lot of uh, events in this chapter. It's a long one. It's a long chapter, especially compared to the first chapter in this book. So I tried to pick out the ones that I felt like were the most relevant. The most succinct summation of the events in the chapter are that Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli are pursuing Merry and Pippin, who are being carried by orcs. And so within that theme, they are ultimately pursuing the orcs into Rohan. They come across some dead orcs, which maybe indicate conflict in the ranks, and they're learning a little bit more about this horde that's traveling with with Mary and Pippin. Pippin leaves behind like a brooch, which uh, the hunters discover, um, which is heartening them because they have some sign that Mary and Pippin are still alive, so they continue their pursuit, though they're struggling. They seem to be struggling kind of emotionally, definitely physically. They probably didn't have any waffles before they left, so they're having a hard time kind of keeping up. And there seems to be some intimation that maybe, like, Saruman is at work as well, uh, as far as the emotional or mental fatigue that the group is experiencing. But eventually they um, encounter the riders of Rohan, also known as the Rohirrim, and their leader Eomir. And so then Eomir relays that his men killed the orcs, but didn't encounter any hobbits. And Aragorn really recaps their journey thus far. Um, Eomir is sharing some information about Rohan. Um, and we learn that the king is King Theoden. Um, and there seems to be some like weird... Not-so-cool stuff happening with King Theoden, but Aeomir doesn't really get into it. Ultimately, the Rohirrim lend the company horses with the promise that they'll return them to Theoden. Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli take those horses. They ultimately find the orcs that were killed by the Rohirrim, but not Merry and Pippin. And so the crew is now in Fangorn Forest, or kind of right on the edge there, which is like a very old kind of well-renowned, perhaps infamous, forest. And so they make a fire, not with any of the living wood, and rest for the night. And as Gimli sits next to the fire and takes first watch, a gray-cloaked man approaches the fire, ultimately scaring their horses away. And that's how our chapter ends.
0: What news, father? Right. That's not quite what he says, but... You tiptoed around this, but we have to talk about... The naming of the the, ro, the Rohirrim. Mm-hmm. We got Eothane, Aomer. They're in the Aorid and they're, they're riding back to King Theoden. Later mm-hmm. we'll meet Aomer. And so I was thinking what our Rohirrim names would be. <laughs> and the formula that I've come up with is you just get rid of the first syllable and put an Ao. So you would be Aona or mm-hmm. Aona, you know, we mm-hmm. could go either way. And then I would be Aolin. And I thought maybe we could introduce. We should have introduced ourselves at the top of the of the chapter. My name is AOlin, and my name is Aona. <laughs> I can't do
1: it. <laughs> well, I kind of like Aona because um, Aona. That's it. I think Aona is a traditional maybe gaelic or gallic name and it's spelled i-o-n-a so um, i'm kind of thinking of that name when i think of aona
0: i just feel like it would be so confusing trying to keep all of these people straight it's like when twins have their names are like matching just a little bit too much or everybody in the family has the same first letter They've taken that <laughs> to like the next level in this. Like the
1: whole community yes. is all everywhere.
0: Yes. It was a lot.
1: And I will say too that what I love about this chapter and ultimately what I love about this book is it feels a bit a bit more grandiose, a bit more theatrical yes. in scope. And so for folks who maybe are familiar with the movies, to me, these are like the big sweeping shots of New Zealand country, right? As Orlando Bloom <laughs> and Jonathan Rhys-Davies are like trekking across the field. They're
0: taking the hobbits to Isengard.
1: <laughs> That's right. What do your elf eyes see? Um, so I just, I really enjoy the writing of this because mm-hmm. it feels so... The pace feels really interesting. They're covering a lot of ground, literally. Um, We're seeing sort of a new niche group work together. So I just really enjoyed this chapter.
0: Yeah, this chapter was a joy all around.
1: That should be our transition then into discussing what exactly you saw for examples of today's theme.
0: Happily, good sister. Aeona. (laughs) (laughs) Follow me in my aorid as we run together. So the first place that I saw resources in this chapter is that moment when they've come across the dead orcs, Legolas, Gimli, and Aragorn. And they're like, oh, what do you think happened here? And they're using Aragorn's knowledge as a resource to to riddle out this this clue. Gimli says, what do you think? And Aragorn answers, I think that the enemy brought his own enemy with him and then goes into talk about the northern orcs versus the great orcs and how there must have been some sort of dispute and that's how it led to their death. He's just showcasing more of his knowledge here and proud of Aragorn. (laughs) A question that I had, I didn't know whether to include this or not. So a couple times in this chapter. We hear about how incredible Legolas' elf eyes are. You know, he can see Mm -hmm. the Rohirrim from far away. He can see the eagle. Are innate abilities like height or keen sight a community resource? Like, would you call that a resource?
1: I really like this question. I would say when they are utilized for a community benefit, Mm -hmm. I'm inclined to call them a resource. Right. In the same way that knowledge that one person holds when shared with a group can be qualified as a resource, I think inherently to say that someone is tall and thusly a resource can be a way of perhaps tokenizing or pretty reductively viewing an individual as only that trait Mm -hmm. and using them only as a tool for the community.
0: Mm -hmm. I like that. The difference between instrumentalizing somebody... Versus letting them come forward and and share what they have.
1: Right, and I think what we see is that Gimli, Aragorn, and Legolas have sort of been forged in the fire of friendship via like trauma or events and so they feel much more close-knit than Mm -hmm. originally leaving Rivendell and thusly I feel like they're more able to call upon each other's strengths one because they know them a bit more specifically and two because they have that trust and that bond so that it doesn't feel like oh I'm just using you because you're tall and you can get that thing off the top shelf but because I recognize this is a strength of yours and it's it's critical mm-hmm. for us to continue forward.
0: Right. I feel like that helps me understand better there what my hangups were and what I was going for. Mm. So I will include then when Legolas is using his alphas. I do think that, that that's a moment of sharing of a resource. Mm-hmm. The next one that I saw is on page 20. And this is where the Lembas bread is specifically called out. Mm-hmm. They've been running. And then it says, quote, often in their hearts, they thanked the Lady of Lorien for the gift of Lembas, for they could eat of it and find new strength even as they ran. So this resource that's been given to them is literally keeping them on their feet as they embark on their wild chase. Then we skip forward a bit to when Aomer is discussing basically the state of things with the three companions and he talks about how Gandalf arrived said he had been a prisoner in Orthanc and had hardly escaped and he begged for help but Théoden would not listen to them and he w- would not listen to him and he went away. And then Gandalf takes the horse <laughs> that's called Shadowfax. <laughs> most precious of all the king's steeds, And I included this because he came asking for a resource. He did not receive it. And he took it anyways.
1: <laughs> Gandalf is a bit lawless in that regard.
0: <laughs> yes, he was like, please help me. No, we can't. Fine, I'm taking the horse.
1: <laughs> and not only a horse, but I'm taking your greatest taking horse. i your best
0: horse. Lord of all <laughs> horses. Right. So the next... Moment of resourcing I saw is when Aomar chooses differently than Theoden and does lend them horses. So that's on page thirty-four. He lends them the horses of people who were killed in the in this orc fight and allows them to use them temporarily with the the promise that they will eventually return them. So a follow-up to that. We see them use the horses. Gimli's like, I don't want to sit on this. And Legolas is like, Come, you shall sit behind me, friend Gimli. <laughs> Which is great. I love it when people call another person by their title, like Sister Anna and friend mm-hmm. Gimli. Right. But then on page 39, mm-hmm. so the horses are gone, and Aragorn goes, We started on our feet, and we have those still. And Gamley says, feet, but we cannot eat them as well as walk on them. I know. Is Does he mean that he wants to eat the horses? I kind of think so.
1: <laughs> that's, how, that's how I interpreted that statement as well.
0: I was like, we escalated quickly from not wanting to ride on it to fine, I'll only ride on it. If Legolas rides on the same horse as me, to actually maybe we'll eat them later.
1: Yeah, and I... I'm not quite sure because it appears that right, Aragorn is really doing a lot of the representation of this little travel companion group. Mm-hmm. And so he is the one who promises to both make their mission a success as well as bring the horses back to, to Théoden. And I'm not quite sure if Gimli is just, like, recusing himself from that moment. And then later is like, yeah, I know what Aragorn said, but I am hungry. So (laughs) these horses are on the menu. Don't try and tell me differently. Or, like, why all of a sudden that's a motivation, if that is what that (laughs) statement means.
0: I thought I had read it wrong. And I was like, oh, he's saying that you can, like, eat while you're on the horse. Like, you can't do that while you're running. Although, as we've talked about, you can. And then I read it again. I was like, no, I think he means... I think he means eat the horses. Well, and then
1: (laughs) this exchange is just glorious. I'm glad that you called it out Mm -hmm. because it's exactly what you said. So Gimli finishes reminiscing that he won't be able to eat this horse. He threw some fuel on the fire and slumped down beside it. And then Legolas says... Only a few hours ago, you were unwilling to sit on a horse of Rohan, laughed Legolas. You will make a rider yet. I'm like, is Legolas understanding Gimli's intent? Yeah,
0: right? It's like, <laughs> ah, you'll ride it. And he's like, no, no, no. Eat it.
1: I'm hungry. Yes. <laughs> I want to put it on some Lembus bread.
0: Yep. We're going to cook it over this fire and have roast horse. Right. Very funny. <laughs> I love all of their exchanges. Yeah, they're they're a treat. So the last thing I, I had to call out from this chapter is another Gimli moment. Of course, when they're they've left the battlefield and they're going into Fangorn to make a camp, and Aragorn is warning that we should not chop down any trees for a fire. And Gimli's like, "But the Rohirrim—they did it. They made a great burning here yesterday." and Aragorn says that they were many, like it was a big group, so that's why they were able to get away with it. And Gimli says, well, the rioters have left chip and bow enough, and there is dead wood line in plenty. So he's able to use sort of the leftover resources to, to make this fire, but I thought it was interesting that it was literally like strength in numbers, so or the strength of the Rohirrim community, the strength of the Aeorid, that Allowed them to go in and chop down the Fangorn trees in a way that these three could not.
1: And I do think that's interesting because from what we know about Fangorn, it seems like the number of men wouldn't deter this very old, very kind of mystical forest. Mm-hmm. That, that seemed an interesting deterrent. Mm-hmm. Like, I would otherwise have suspected that the Rohirrim would need to be, like, triple the size Mm -hmm. that they explain uh, is traveling in this chapter because of how great Fangorn is and because of how old it is. So I kind of wonder what that threshold is, that, you know, the number itself is enough of a protectant. Mm
0: -hmm. They also, it says on here that they didn't stay the night, they didn't go under the trees, and they don't come here often. And those things, I think, also contributed to why they were able to, like scoot in chop a tree scoot out so those were my resource moments do you have any any more to add to the pile
1: i think the only other piece that was interesting to me from a resource standpoint is that same exchange you talked about where gimli is not excited about riding a horse and legless is like friend gimli (laughs) right no worries friend gimli like you can just hang out on my horse and that'll be fine, then. You don't need to borrow a horse or be troubled, troubled by one. And then it goes on to say, A smaller and lighter horse, but restive and fiery, was brought to Legolas. Erad was his name. But Legolas asked them to take off saddle and rein. I need them not, he said. And leaped lightly up into their wonder. Erad was tame, and willing beneath him, moving here and there, uh, with but a spoken word, such was the elvish way with all good beasts. And then I was immediately like, okay, but Gimli also has to sit on yeah, this horse. Yeah, like,
0: would, probably would have appreciated <laughs> a rain. A saddle, maybe? Yes. <laughs>
1: Something that's more than just him, like, clinging to sweet Legolas. So I thought that was an interesting, like, uh, Legolas here is making a resource decision for himself mm-hmm. and kind of losing sight of perhaps what would be helpful for Gimli's for comfort Gimli. and safety as well.
0: Yep, he just didn't think about it. Right. He's so merry in the book. (laughs) I know, right? Legolas is just lithe and gay in, like, the old-time use of the word. He is a merry elf, and I I love it for him.
1: And it's always just a bit off pace with everything else that's happening. Where he's like, ho, ho, look at me and my horse skills. And it's like, look, we have still got to find our hobbit friends. And signs are pointing to that they are, like, not alive still.
0: <laughs> and he's like, I don't even need a saddle, friend Gimli. Come this way. Will you eat the horses? Ho, ho. It's very funny to me. And, it, and it, um,
1: the fact that he also, like, sleeps with his eyes open yes. is just, like, really creating quite the character aura about him. So eccentric
0: just like or like when they wake up and he's standing there singing quietly mm-hmm. <laughs> okay did you want to like lay down have a rest Nope. no no i'm rested yes. friend aragorn <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so good orlando bloom did not quite capture that goofy carefree wind spirit and i think it suits the movie that he didn't but it would have been a blast if he had tried to Lose some of the intensity.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and I mean, I think Legend, and by Legend I mean the mm, internet, mm, uh, mm. I've read a couple places, Legend has said that he like really didn't always know what was going on, especially in scenes where there's a lot of CGI at mm. work. Um, and so if you watch his face in some of the different scenes, he's just like smoldering intensely mm. in the back but it's never like quite in alignment with what the scene is supposed to be mm-hmm. um and in that regard specifically i do feel like he brings a lot of legless yeah to the screen
0: it's like a little <laughs> bit off filter from from right. the tenor of the group well shall we transition into talking with tolkien yes let's sister aeolin <laughs> Come along, sister Aona. Talking with Talking.
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry. This episode is
0: ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I just I really would just felt like it was so goofy that they all had the same name. I love it. Oh god. I had one, two, three, four, five talking ones talking quotes, which I think is too many. Wowza. I have one that we have to do, and then I'm going to let you surprise choose the second one. (laughs) All right, let's do it. So the one that my top favorite is on page 23, and it's from who else? It's from Legolas. This is when they're still on their chase. They haven't yet come to the Rohirrim. And he says, yet do not cast all hope away. Tomorrow is unknown. Read oft is found at the rising of the sun. And then Gimli goes... Three suns already have risen on our chase and brought no counsel. And so I liked that, because the first part of the quote is very hopeful, and I'm like, yes, I do feel like in a new day, you do often get better advice and better perspective. And Gimli coming in with the other side of it being like, we've already had three days, and there was nothing new on any of those three days.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I identify very strongly with Gimli in that quote.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I... Can see that for you.
1: <laughs> I just like, I just had this conversation with some coworkers where mm-hmm. I often am, though I am joyful, I am also pragmatic often. Mm-hmm. And so, especially at work, it can be a bit challenging for me to not see the problem first, but mm-hmm. instead see how we might resolve it, what successes we've had thus far. And so, Hot on the heels of that conversation is this quote, and I feel very seen by Gimli Mm -hmm. in this moment.
0: Yeah, he's a little grouch McStuffins. Very pragmatic, a little bit grouchy.
1: And they make a good team together for that reason, right? Like, like Legolas is lifting us up, and Gimli is like, but like, also, let's keep an eye on what's already happened so far.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, and then for my second one, you're going to pick, you can pick the number two, nine, three, or 5.
1: I pick
0: nine. Oh, this is a good one. So this is when they're having the discussion with Aomer, and there's that other person who's Eothane, who's annoying, and he's like, Halflings, never heard of them. Do we walk in legends? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, we're talking about like their friends being dead. Now's not the time to be like, that's not a real thing. Right. And I love Aragorn's response to the do we walk in legends or on the green earth in the daylight. Mm -hmm. He says, a man may do both for not we, but those who come after will make the legends of our time. I like that. It felt very Hamilton to me of like, what will the legacy be? Who lives? Who dies? Who tells the story? What story gets told? Mm hmm. Aragorn was capturing that that sentiment there. Mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. And those are my two talking with Tolkings.
1: Nice. I have I have two as well, both nice. of whom are Aragorn. <laughs> Perfect. So the first is on page thirty. Aragorn is explaining to Eomir that Gandalf has fallen. And Aomir is like, That's uh that's a bummer. And Aragorn basically says you're right, it is a bummer, and then goes on to say, quote, but when the great fall, the less must lead. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that quote because I think we see, again, Aragorn's really holding himself accountable for things that are kind of outside of his control, but also is pretty accurately assessing that he has perhaps less resources than Gandalf came to this company with, Mm -hmm. and so that may cause... He he is lesser in that regard, and I just like that he was very upfront, like, I am lesser in that regard, and we still had to, someone still had to lead, something still had to get done, and so I didn't let that keep me from making some of these necessary decisions.
0: Yeah, but God, God. is so hard on himself, and I'm like, you're doing fine, you're doing great.
1: You're doing great. Yeah. And then the other one that I liked was another exchange between Eomir and Aragorn. Eomir is talking about this wonderment of the change or of sequence of events that have happened to this company of three and sort of listing all of those. And he ends his bit here with, How shall a man judge what to do in such times? And Aragorn replies, As he ever has judged, said Aragorn. Good and ill have not changed since yesteryear, nor are they one thing among elves and dwarves and another among men. And I just liked that idea of like, yeah, things are challenging. Yes, there are complexities that are new to us. And especially in their situation, right, good and bad are pretty clearly distinct. And we don't experience them kind of in a vacuum. We don't experience them totally different from, from one another just because we are maybe a different race. Mm-hmm. And I like that reminder to Aragorn because I think there can be sometimes a uh, a spiraling, a tail spinning um, in moments where there does not feel to be much hope about like, ah, oh, the situation is so overwhelming. What do we do? Mm-hmm. And you get stuck there. And Aragorn reminds us that like, yeah, but we still have to make choices and we make choices the way that we always have. And that allows us to move forward. And that felt like a really important reminder to me.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that one. That was one of my five. Oh good. So I'm glad I'm glad you you got a chance to share it then. Yay. So those were our quotes. Ellen, do you have an action item for us today? I do have an action item. So earlier, when you we were talking about moments of resourcing in the chapter, I read the, the quote about the Lembis bread. And how in their hearts, they were thankful to the Lady of Lorien. And I do not support this quiet gratitude that they are practicing. And my action item is no silent gratitude. If you're feeling grateful for something in your heart, you have to say it out loud. Because nobody knows if if you're grateful if you aren't saying it. And having a vocal moment of gratitude is as good for your own self and your own well-being as it is to the person that you are being grateful for. So if you have a moment of gratitude, do not keep it in your heart. Say it out loud. Share it with the people around you.
1: I love this. And I'm going to implement it right now by saying I am really grateful that this podcast is a thing, and that you were uh, kind of the mastermind behind all of it. I enjoy our conversations together, and I'm feeling very grateful that we have this time, especially in a time that was particularly challenging for for folks to connect.
0: Mm, That's so nice. I love that we we could just do the action item right there.
1: (laughs) So there's an example for you, listeners. Yay!
0: Vocal gratitude. Share your resources. Boom. Done. (laughs) Today's podcast was brought to you by Gimli's Running Gels. Fuel your next multi-day cross-country orc chase. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dahn. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. Sounds great. Today's podcast, ooh, that was so like, <laughs> let's start over on that one. <clears throat> Made it stop a little call and repeat moment <laughs> um can you hear it not really blah, 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 blah. okay good I'll... <laughs> uh, that's what it's doing now so blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yes it's like the a high-pitched version of the um charlie brown adults <laughs>